0: town Hey!
1: How we doing? He's blank. I'm Bradham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It is a Monday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The band is back together, which was on better terms. You were out last week because of the Mrs. Surgery, which... I heard she's
0: uh, dealing with it a little bit, but uh, it's been a lot she to got deal it with. done. Yeah, thank God it the surgery went well, the recovery. Mm. I oh, had boy. to uh,
1: do the show with Joe for three hours, so I'm happy that you're back. We're pleased to have you back. Um, I wish it was under better circumstances, but the Houston Texans got... Yeah. What's the right uh, word to use here? They got slaughtered. Boat race. They got embarrassed. They got boat race. Doors blown off. They got their doors blown off. What's the best word to use? What happened to the Texans yesterday in New Jersey? 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. I heard the Highway to Hell was asking D'Amico Ryan's what kind of positives you can take out of
0: yesterday's game. I, what? I, <laughs> I, can give you what? The, I can give you one. This what? was the first time all season... That they got blown out. This was the first game this season. Well, I mean, look, I'm stretching here because of the fact that that's something that they legitimately tried to ask as a question. The only thing I could think of after the game was, this is the first time all season that they've just absolutely, yeah, they played bad against Carolina, but it wasn't like they were blitzed out of the game and, and, you know, had no chance. This was the first time, and it was only for a half, that they got absolutely hammered on the scoreboard. They got hammered.
1: The second half, you know, they gave up 30 points in the second half. Yeah. With Zach Wilson as the quarterback. They gave up 247 yards in the second half with Zach Wilson yeah. as the quarterback. You know how many times they punted in the second half? Take a wild guess. The Jets? Yeah. Take a wild guess. How many times None. they punted? That's exactly right. They did not punt wow. in the second half. The only time the Texans stopped them was a fumble that was on the Texan side of the field. That happened on the Texan side of the field. They went touchdown, touchdown, fumble, touchdown, field goal, Field goal, field goal, and they called off the dogs. The Texans couldn't defend their shadow yesterday. And that's only half the problem because look what they did on the offensive side. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Words to describe yesterday's debacle in New Jersey. Screech says Molly whopped D'Amico's. I can't read that on the air, uh, but be happy to read any of the ones that I can read on the air. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. D'Amico said the one positive, which I, I admire. You trying to you know search roll for something? It, yeah. Roll with it. You know the improv there is uh, appreciated. I like D'Amico's answer to it. We got out of there. We left. We. Got got back home uh he said yesterday was a he said yesterday during the post game press conference that they're gonna watch everything and today's a tell the truth monday i love that phrase so since the houston texans took our h-town hop for Dell, rest in peace uh we're gonna take the tell the truth monday so we're gonna be telling the truth on this monday what's your number one truth blankers from that texans game
0: yesterday uh the truth serum is, is there's still a ton of work to do on this team to be a true playoff-caliber team, in my opinion. The yeah. fact that we started drinking the Kool-Aid, we started believing the, the press clippings, and, and you, rightly, rightly so in a lot of ways because of the success this team was having, but that was a reality check that was a firm slap in the face to say there's still a lot of work to do before you can really be established to that level.
1: I think that's a good call. Like, even if they do get into the playoffs, like, there's they're still a ways to go. But I mean, the Texans are also capable. Cap- the Texans are capable any Sunday that they walk into a stadium of getting a re- any result they want against any opponent that it is. They can beat some of the best. They beat mm-hmm. the Bengals with Burrows still. Uh, and they can lose to some of the worst Carolina, so, New York,
0: Atlanta. So you're right. And that's where I, I, I was going, too. The other part of this is when you're a true playoff caliber team, mm-hmm. very rarely do you play to the level of your competition the Texans are still in that kind of fetal stage of understanding that even if you're supposed to beat a team, doesn't mean it's going to happen just because you show up. You still have to play your game. And they didn't against Carolina and Atlanta. And so many of the hiccups, like the Jets, you're supposed to beat those teams, whether you beat them handily or not. You're supposed to win. And you didn't. And that's the sign of a team that's not all the way there yet.
1: Yeah, see, to, to me, I think it's a good call. Because um, you're, you're going to have one or two of those, but to have three right. is... is- kind of confusing, and they still have opportunities of getting more, because the four games they play aren't against great competition. Uh, to me, my biggest takeaway, was the, or my biggest tell the truth here, is that I thought the Texans handled adversity very, very poorly. And they did have a lot of adversity in this mm-hmm. game. And this might even be piggybacking off of your point, because I think playoff teams handle adversity well. I think good teams handle adversity well. Uh, they're handed a little adversity. How do they handle it? They do a pretty good job with it. And the Texans had tons of adversity throughout the week. They had the Tang Dell injury, which is, you know, he's liked in the locker room maybe more than that he's really good on the football field you're without a huge offensive weapon I don't want to talk about the injury even though that what happened and how it led to that injury we saw how important he is maybe you kind of have an idea of having a little foresight but they had the adversity of the tank injury I'm not even going to mention the weather. Anybody who mentions weather today, they're getting hung up on. It didn't seem to bother the New York Jets. The Jets were just fine with this weather adversity. So if you want to count that as adversity, I'm hanging up on you. But maybe you can throw that out there. You had the adversity that it is a road game. Like, is New York, is it a bigger stage? I don't know. Like, there was 40% of people in the stands yesterday. You were a road favorite. And I say that the adversity there is, maybe you're reading your press clippings a little bit too much. Nico Collins already with the injury to Tang Dell left after the the first series that's huge adversity you you have a top seven offense in the nfl and you get shut out in the entire first half that is adversity you you fall behind in the second half you're trailing in the second half more adversity so the texans handled a lot of adversity Reality check, NFL teams have adversity every single game. The good ones handle adversity well. And I would even say the Texans have done a pretty good job with adversity this year. The Texans have not looked young this year. The Texans have not looked like an undisciplined team, like an immature team. The young team. And and credit to D'Amico Ryans for that. Uh, To have a young team that looks older. to I'm not going to say an immature team, but a young team that looks mature. Professional. They're usually not the ones making the mistakes. That wasn't the case yesterday. Yesterday was the first time all year where I felt the Houston Texans were young and handled adversity as poorly as they possibly
0: could. Yeah, and, and that's when you have an infant-stage situation where the maturity hasn't completely settled in yet. You never know when it's going to happen. We said all season long, I kept saying, Lamont, write this down, I kept saying all season long, look, there's going to be a time when they're going to get their doors blown off, when they're just going to lay an egg that you're... But, to this point, up until yesterday, they had done that, All right, Carolina. But they didn't get blown out. They like, got blown out. But that was an egg. But it, oh, no, there's no doubt about it. Egg. They weren't prepared for it, and you know their scheme was wrong, and everything that they did seemed to be wrong. But yet they still had a chance to win that football game. You looked at that game from start to finish yesterday, and you obviously it was a scoreless first half. But for the most part. It never looked like you had a chance to win that football game. And when they put the two quick scores in the third quarter, basically it was like, full up your tents and go home. It looks like it's already over. Yeah.
1: Uh, tell the truth Monday. Truth is C.J. Stroud is a rookie and a star at the same time. Some games you see him look like a rookie. Carolina, New York, Atlanta. But he's also a star and is going to have game in which he looks as such. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. I didn't think C.J. Stroud played well yesterday. Was C.J. Stroud the biggest problem on the offense? I would argue that he wasn't. I would argue that the offensive line was a bigger issue. I would argue that once Nico went down, and it was only after three plays, that the he got no help. He had no help from the receivers. And they were like, some of the throws were difficult. Some of the plays would have been like, oh, man, I mean, that was a good play. But go make a couple of those good plays. Like, they didn't have an answer to the secondary for the Jets. Sauce and the other dude that's opposite of Sauce just had a filled day with Noah Brown, Robert Woods, John Reed. Mechie, and uh, Xavier Hutchinson. I mean, and I, I do think that, like... And this was We probably didn't take the Jets as seriously as we should. Yeah, they're a bad football team, but they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And on top of that, it's like the matchup. Like, what do the Jets do well defensively? Well, they have a pretty good front four that gets to the quarterback and creates pressure from the inside because of Quinnen Williams. Where are the Texans weak on the offensive line? Well, their entire offensive line's weak, except for Larry Tunsil. They created pressure up the middle. And then where's the Texans' strength offensively? Throwing the football. Well, you have one of the very best secondaries. The Texans are without their top three targets, Tank, Nico, and Dalton Schultz. Like, the writing was kind of on the
0: wall. Well, I would I would push back. They're a good football team with with a bad quarterback, or at least bad quarterback situation and offensive line. But when you look at it, their skill position players are above average. They've got a lot of guys that can play, it, and they showed that yesterday from Brees Hall and Wilson and all the different guys that get in the mix there. Their defense, as you said, is is. It's one of the elite defenses in the NFL when it's right, and there's a lot to be right about there. But that quarterback has just been a joke all season, no matter whose name was on the starting quarterback list. And you made him look like a, a star yesterday. You made him look way better than he has been basically his whole career. And that's where the problems start. And when you look at the offense, I don't blame CJ because, to your point, look, a lot of the balls that he threw were right on target. Guy One hit him; and they were hitting face masks, they were hitting hands. Guys weren't making plays that they have to make no matter who, if you're playing the Jets or the Bengals or somebody in between. So I think that a lot of guys had letdowns. But I would start with Bobby Slowick too because I think Bobby Sloick, when, you, when we start talking about what makes you a playoff caliber team and take that next level, it is you adjust to the adversity. When these things happen mid-game or mid-week or whenever they happen, you have a backup plan. You have a plan B that you can install almost immediately so that you try not to miss a beat. They looked like they missed so many beats and were so out of rhythm that all they could do was wrong, and they got used yesterday.
1: 713-780-ESPN the HRP listener line 713-780-3776 7557 uh, weather definitely bothered the Jets come on Branham Jets scored zero in the first half 30 in the second half when it stopped raining yeah okay it's not an excuse but to say it didn't bother New York is outlandish you know what what bothered them in the first half is that Zach Wilson is your quarterback like the rain was never coming down that hard they kept talking about oh the wind's gonna pick up the wind's gonna pick the wind never even got there the Miko Ryan telling you after the game that weather's not the an excuse. It wasn't bad enough where you couldn't throw the football. It wasn't bad enough for you not to throw the football. The weather was not an excuse. I am not going to listen to weather being an excuse. And no, it didn't bother the Jets. Look what the Jets did in the second half. They had their best offensive performance. Their best offensive performance in the year. The Jets had their best offensive performance in the year. In 30 minutes of the second half against the Texans, it wasn't the weather that was keeping them from doing well in the first half. It was because they're not a very good offense. Weather was not an excuse. And honestly... I feel like the Houston Texans kind of like, here's another tell the truth. I thought that the whole mannerisms from the Texans, like, oh, go watch that. I watched uh, the condensed game this morning. Go look at the mannerisms on the sideline. Like, they look like they do not want to be there. Nope. I don't know if it was, oh, you know, it's wet. I don't know if it was, we're supposed to just show up and win. I don't know what it was. But look at the body language early in that game yesterday. It's like, ugh. I do not like this one bit. And you've been around sports. You've been you've been courtside many times where you can tell early in games oh. based on body language. Like man, this is going to be a tough one.
0: The same way we talk about when Harden didn't want to go back on defense, or Jalen doesn't want to get back on defense. Where guys, you can tell just by passing glances uh, about the body language that sends you the subliminal message about how how much dog is in there for the fight today. And they didn't look like they had a whole lot of dog in the fight once, especially once they went down. You know, I was thinking one turnover might be the difference in this football game. But instead, it was the fact that I think that they were so, one, they weren't prepared, and, and two, that when adversity hit after not being completely, like the weather, like the, the injuries, that they just basically were like throwing their hands up going, well, what do we do now? It's over. Whereas the Jets saw, you know, smell blood in the water and went, you know what? We got this. We can go get it. Let's go get it. We're not out of it in the AFC. We're going to give it a shot.
1: Yeah, it was uh, ugly for the Texans yesterday.
0: What's the one word you would use to describe whatever
1: happened in New Jersey yesterday? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. A busy show as always on a Monday, Mailbag Monday, coming up at 4.30. Uh, we'll get to that, of course, uh, a lot of what happened yesterday. C.J. Stroud, we grade him each and every Monday based on his performances. How are we grading him today? Uh, we'll hand out game balls as well. But what's the one word you would use to describe what? happened yesterday in New Jersey. Also, look, it's a Tell the Truth Monday. Thank you, D'Amico. Tell the truth about this Texans game. What is the truth from yesterday? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I like a good drink at the end of the day. Needed one extra stiff yesterday after watching that, whatever that was. Vodka, gin, bourbon, all in the rotation for me and Gentle Ben Spirits. Does it better than anyone else. How? Well, they're revolutionary Persado technology. Do you know it eliminates impurities for the cleanest, the spiritual ever taste. Purification of General Ben is unrivaled. You'll love what's not in it, uh, including gluten. That's right, gluten's not in General bin but General Ben isn't going to brag about that. All spirits are naturally gluten free. Uh, try a sip of Gentle Bin Vodka, Gin, Straight Bourbon, Cast Drink Bourbon. Compared to what you drink, you will never go back. I, of course, have been a Gentle Bin man ever since I had that first sip. You get all the flavor, none of the burn. It is smooth. It is clean. Eliminates that burn we just made, uh, refer- uh, made reference of. Enjoy your drink. Don't work through your drink. You can find it at the Toyota Center. Stop by Ben's Bar. Uh, look for it at the liquor store. Ask for it at your favorite bar. Ask for it when you go to dinner tonight, or head to the Gentle Bin Tasting Room in Alvin, or. Just go straight to the website, com. You can order ginlebin straight. From gentlebin.com. That's all you got to do. Head to gentlebin.com, add it to your cart, have it delivered straight to your doorstep. Gentlebin Spirits makes the perfect holiday gift for friends, family, and your best customers. We know they'll love what's not in our spirits, too. Celebrate with Gentlebin this holiday season. I just gave you that website, gentlebin.com. You can go order holiday packages of Gentlebin and give that out this Christmas season. You want to give the best gift, right? Well, Gentlebin makes the best gift. Gentlebin, the gift they'll open over and over. Like at uh, Pac Man Joel. On Twitter, I'm Brandon I'm at Jeremy Branham, Joe's at Joe George Radio. Lamont says I, I side with you in that caller that was trying to call out over weather. Although that we didn't have a caller. Although the Jets didn't score in the first half, Zach Wilson was dealing in the monsoon in the first half. He was completing passes. I am not dealing with weather excuses. Not gonna do it. Did you see the weather what the wasn't Jets didn't bad did enough where you couldn't throw the football? there you go. Horse's mouth. Head coach D'Amico Ryans. The weather wasn't bad enough where you couldn't throw the football. In fact, in fact, Bobby Sloak fell in love with throwing the football yesterday in the second half. How quickly did he abandon the run in the second half?
0: It he, was incredible. He did, but you know what, Jeremy? The one thing that kept standing out to me was when we talk about adjustments. When Nico went out, and it goes back to a point that, that's come up on the show multiple times, which is, as you're getting, again, trying to get to that level where you are a true, solid playoff team, depth matters. When you take your backups in your second string and you basically just say you know when they say next man up well just you go in and be the next nico collins hutchinson ain't ready to be the next next nico Me- not ready to be tank they don't their backups weren't capable of executing the same offense that their starters are and there was no plan b to try and do something different except for try to exacerbate it more by getting rid of the run and still expecting those guys to do starter-type things they couldn't do.
1: Uh, Jimmy says behooved. Here's the one thing I would say about that. Yes, their depth isn't great. Like That's been one of the uh, the, the things we've looked at throughout the year. and like, eh, this is where they need to take that next step. Their depth isn't great. I think 1 through 22, when you look from starters offensively, starters defensively, you've got a good football team. But we know that football is a game of attrition, and once you start getting into the second guys, the third guys, that's wherever like you're going to struggle. Now, I would say most teams are built that way. Uh, I was arguing with a guy on Twitter, the, very unlike me, uncharacteristic of me to argue mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, and they were like, well, the Texans need more playmakers. Well, every team needs
0: more playmakers.
1: And how many teams in the NFL are going to be able to survive with their top three pass
0: catchers out of a football Your game? playmakers aren't your second string either. Right. Right. You can, you can make a can play here. Think There's a reason that. why you're not starting. You can make a play here, or there. You're not a playmaker, right? And
1: I don't think there's a team in the NFL that can survive offensively missing their top three no. pass catchers. Like if you're a passing-oriented team, which the Texans are, and this is where it would help to have a good running game. If uh, you're if you're a, a pass-first team and you're without your top three playmakers, it's why I hated Tank Dell blocking in the box because I had the foresight to envision this. But if you're out, if let I me mean, any team in the league, like if you're the if you're the Bengals, you're without Chase T. Higgins and Boyd. Like, okay, look, like, how's that team going to survive offensively? If you're the Vikings, I'm just thinking top receivers here, and you're without Justin Jefferson and Osborne and Jordan Addison, how are you going to survive? Not well. If you're Miami and you're without Tyreek and Waddle, how are you going to survive? Not well. So, like, you do have to throw that into the conversation. That has to be a part of the conversation. Uh, Eric, the driver, says the Texans got eviscerated. I can't even pronounce that word. Uh, Jason and champions, they got a reality check. Yeah, I think that they, I think that's a fair way to put it. Uh, do you have any other truths here? Uh, Tell the truth Monday seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I have a few here that uh, stand out, like. I think Stroud's lost faith in this offensive line, and this has nothing to do with anything extracurricular. It has nothing to do with after the whistles. If you go watch how Stroud's playing football, look how quickly he's abandoning the pocket. Look how he doesn't trust climbing the ladder into the pocket. Look how quickly he's getting rid of the football. He had that lateral, which maybe shouldn't have been a lateral. I think it might have hit an offensive lineman. Uh, either way, like Damian Pierce is nowhere in the area. Right. You can I don't want to use the word panic from Stroud, but you can tell that he doesn't have the confidence for the line to protect and can you blame him he got concussed no. in the game two games ago he might have been concussed the refs sent him out to be looked at by the independent dark doctors and he's been sacked 16 times in the last four games I think he's lost faith
0: in the offensive line protecting him well if nothing even if it's not to that level of complete losing of faith he he already knows that there's a lack of trust that it's going to lack that that in his his eternal internal clock has shortened in terms of when he's got to get rid of the football or start moving or do something. And and you could see the fact that over the last several weeks, it's the roller coaster, right? The first two weeks were really god-awful and rough. And then all of a sudden, they found a, a cohesive bunch and, and kind of glued and pasted enough to where the line did a really, really above-average job for a few weeks. And now we're at a point now where we're finding out that they're coming back to the norm. And with all the injuries that they sustained... It's a rough experience, and any quarterback would be struggling, but I think his internal clock has definitely shortened the amount of time from the time he touches the football that he's either got to let it go or get the hell out of Dodge.
1: 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Um... I'll tell you the truth about Will Anderson. That roughing the roughing the quarterback penalty on second and 10, it was a 7 to nothing game uh-huh. when it happened. It was an incomplete pass when it happened. So you're looking at a third and long. I don't really like Zach Wilson's chances of converting a third down and long. You're about to get the football back down by one possession. Instead, Will Anderson, I don't know what was going on through his mind. This is about as bad as it gets. Not that it was, like, incredibly vicious. It was just incredibly late. It leads to a first down. Jets would score a touchdown. Two-possession game. The club Closest you would get after that is 14 to 14-6. I don't know what was going on through the mind of Will Anderson other than that being a very low s 2 E play. Yeah, it
0: really was. I mean, I was going to use the word, but you're right. I mean, for for a guy that has been talked up maybe excessively before he even put up like statistical numbers like sacks and things that people were also looking for, everybody said his football IQ and his football ability and everything he brings to the table is special. This is just like a microcosm of the team itself in which he's young. And you know what? He he, he showed that immaturity yesterday because that was not a very smart play. That was a very unintelligent football play. You knew it was going to be third and long. You knew that it was still raining, by the way. And you knew it was Zach Wilson.
1: No, don't use rain.
0: No, I'm saying, but that's why I say it tongue-in-cheek, because you've already said that. But the biggest thing is, is that you had a chance to get the football back in a game that was still very winnable, and instead you gave them an opportunity to move the chains and you gave your quarterback more confidence
1: absolutely like it just it, it was uh I've, and I've never seen will anderson do that
0: no like, that's what i'm saying this it is was, the first time all year where that was literally we know he's doubled we can hear about the double teams we can hear he's not getting home we can hear all these things but he's giving it max effort and he's not doing stupid things no that was a a stupid play first time i've ever seen that from will anderson it, it, it caught me off guard and it, it kind of
1: like shows you how frustrated they were like as a football team, and it was only a seven-point game when it happened. It was uh, it was bizarre to me. I was caught completely off guard because as soon as Wilson threw it, I could still see Anderson running or you know towards yeah. towards Wilson. I was like, he's just gonna pull off, and then I saw from because the, the, the camera pans at the last second it's following the ball camera's following the ball and you can barely see anderson run right into wilson and as soon as he runs into him like the camera's obviously panning following the ball but it's like before he was throwing it i was like okay wilson's gonna get rid of this anderson's gonna run just right by him and then out of the corner of the screen right on the edge of the screen you see anderson just wipe him out i was like you got to be was it the
0: back angle replay camera that caught it yeah full-blown yeah, when
1: they show the when, replay. Well, yeah, others.
0: and again, obviously slow motion makes you it, it kind of exposes everything even more. It's not it's not real speed when you're watching it, but even in real speed and slow motion, that's one of those plays where either way, there was just too much time. It was a no-brainer to throw the flag. It was a legit penalty and it shouldn't have he shouldn't have done it.
1: Yeah, that was a, a tell the truth uh, Monday that I have. 713-780-ESPN. Um, Lamont with a pretty good tell the truth Monday here. I lost it on the Twitter. He said young and not just the personnel, but the coaching staff. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's. I thought D'Amico Ryan's was poor. I mean, Awful. Look, look at the um, like first half, whatever. But second half, he couldn't get his defense off the field against Zach Wilson. It did what? not happen. It didn't happen once. They they did not punt once. The only time they got off the field was the fumble.
0: And what what really was puzzling to me was it's Zach Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. But you're dropping into zones yeah. all the time. You're you're literally stuck in zones when it makes zero sense to be in a zone for Zach Wilson. And then your linebackers and the middle of the field could not they they could not react at anywhere at all to crossing routes. Randall Cobb on one side in the third quarter. It just seemed like Zach Wilson could get all the confidence in the world even if he threw a bad ball go, you know how I can feel better? I'm just going to send someone across the middle and a crossing route is going to be wide open because they're not going to react and they're going to leave the middle of the field wide open and suddenly you're down 14 points.
1: It was, uh, it was mind boggling. And you were doing it every single series defensively, like that. What do you think Zach Wilson wants to do coming into the game? Probably check down, short run stuff, intermediate stuff. Yeah, run the football. But I'm talking about like in the air. Yeah, definitely run the football. But whenever you're giving him pass stuff, what is Zach Wilson? What do the Jets want to do? Safe stuff. Short stuff, intermediate stuff, maybe rarely a deep shot play. But he loves very, the very deep rarely. ball if, if his yeah, guy's got a step. Yeah, But you're going you're to throw 90, 95% of your passes short and intermediate. And they were giving them that. They gave them that. They gave them Brees Hall on the flats. They, I mean, Garrett Wilson had a big game. He wasn't always short. But it's like, what's going on? And then on the offensive side, could Bobby Slowick have drawn up a worse game plan? And look, I get that he doesn't have Tank Dell, his most electric wide receiver. I get that he doesn't have Dalton Schultz who is third statistically in receiving for in a lot of different numbers for the Texans. I get that Nico Collins got came off the field after the third play and I don't think many teams can survive that. But Slowick's plan was awful. There was no Damn adjustment it, Bobby. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Bobby Slowick, I couldn't believe it. And then he abandoned the run. Bobby. Like, if the Jets are able to put up over 300 yards, and I get that the Jets' defense is better than the Texans' defense, I, I thought Slowick had a really poor game, too.
0: And this is not the recipe for success for Bobby Slowick in this game. But all you had to do was look across the field and see what they were doing and figure out you could find a way to manufacture some plays that could do those kind of things. Short pass game, get the ball to the running backs out of the backfield, get Singletary in some space, do some things to where you can can get shorter distances on third down and move the chains a few times. That'll build some confidence in everyone. And you're watching the other team do it to you, and they're doing it with a guy that's not even supposed to be in the same league as you. And that should have at least given you a hint that, hey, regardless of whether the weather's a factor or not or injuries are playing into what you're trying to do or not, if you see that's working for them, give it a shot because it may work for you, too. They, they,
1: they didn't use them as a factor at all. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Tell the truth Monday. What truths do you want to tell about the Texans yesterday? Uh, in New Jersey. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. A truth that we tell you each and every day, but we'll tell you again, is that you need Hollingsworth Law Firm in your life. You need Hollingsworth Law Firm in case you ever get into a car accident. And it's good to be proactive about these things. So you need Hollingsworth Law Firm, even if you've never been in an accident before. Here's the selling point with Hollingsworth Law Firm. They do something that most attorneys don't do. You don't pay a single dime until you win your case.
0: And that is so big because, as you know, the way lawyers go in most cases, they're just looking to make a buck. They want the big case that has the big payday, and that's what they're going to focus all their attention on. But because Hollingsworth Law Firm offers two big key selling points for you in your favor. One is they specialize in car wrecks. Two, they don't get paid unless you win. The motivation is there, no matter how big or small the case, and they're going to be in your corner every step of the way. From the time the accident happens until the settlement is reached, they're going to fight the insurance companies, the other driver, and get what you deserve all the way across the board and what rightfully is yours so that you are as good as new and just like you were before the accident occurred.
1: Write this number down, put it in your phone, 713-999-8773. That's the number for Hollingsworth Law Firm. It's good to have it in your phone in case you ever get into these car accidents. Uh, one of my favorite things about Hollingsworth Law Firm that Blankers alluded to, I don't want to deal with insurance companies. I don't want to deal with them. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm do that for you. 713 999 Consultations are free. 713 999 8773. Visit them online. Carrecttexas.com. It's carrecttexas.com. 2010 says Texans receiving core needs some serious help. If any team in the NFL had their three top pass targets hurt, we would be saying that about all of them. Like every, every team could use some more firepower in the offensive wide receiver room. Uh, you miss Dell. you miss Nico Collins, it's not going to look good. Like It's not going to look good for anybody that's missing their top two plus the top tight end, uh, Dalton Schultz. Could the Texans add some firepower to that room in the offseason? Sure. Was that available to them before the year? It was, if you think DeAndre Hopkins is in that conversation, but it's not for me. Like, if DeAndre Hopkins is here, that means you're probably not getting the the production that you had from, especially Nico Collins, because I think he would cover up a lot of what Nico does. So I don't really have an issue with Casario's handling of the wide receiver room. In fact, I actually tip my cap to him because we were all mocking how bad it was, and it turns out it's not that bad. They're injured. They're hurt. This would happen to any NFL team. Could they address it in the draft or free agency to add some depth there? Yes, absolutely. But Noah Brown's not a bad like backup. Robert Woods isn't a bad backup. They both had. They both have had games this year where they've caught over a hundred yards receiving. Brown had two
0: career games.
1: Yeah. Now, now, whenever he's trying to do, defeat Sauce Gardner, that's not going to happen. But whenever he's your number three receiver, he can be productive.
0: Look, I think you're right. I think when it, there's. You can knock Casario for depth on the offensive line in a lot of ways, but yet for a, a extended period of this regular season. We didn't anticipate that this offensive line was going to be able to tread water the way it did and keep people away from C.J. Stroud, and now it's kind of coming back. Because, to your point, the one thing that you can't prepare for is multiple injuries that keep stacking up. You assume injuries are going to happen. You may lose your best receiver, or you may lose one of your receivers. When you lose three receivers, you're right. There's not a team in this league, I don't think, that has the depth to recover from all of that. Now, that's where it's your coordinator and your other skill, your tight ends, your backs. That's where the good teams are able to adapt by going to get points a different way, to sustain drives a different way, to kind of turn the page. But the fact that you lose your top three receivers, you can't expect that even the, the best of passing teams. If the Dolphins lo- lo- lost Tyreek Hill and Waddle and whoever the third receiver is, you're telling me that two is going to be slinging it around the yard and have the same kind of success? The- he's not.
1: Yeah, I think it's easy to say that on a day like today that the Texans could use more wide receiver help. Whenever your top two are hurt, um, that's not to say that I wouldn't be mad if they drafted a dude in the third round who's going to be kind of like Tank. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I think there's better uses of the finances this offseason. Than the side and wide receiver, but I'm not going to lie. If they sign T. Higgins, it's not going to be mad about it. Um, better way to spend resources, sure, but you get the point there. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN four one eight seven. No mention of the elephant in the room: the quarterback injury. Maybe this was our way of trying to pretend like it didn't happen. Uh, this one's this one's uh, this one's bad. Uh, it's again, it goes to the offensive line. C.J. Stroud's been getting crushed recently. Sixteen sacks in four games. It's not even talking to the amount of times he's been down on the field. Um, he's had a, I mean, obviously he's, he's had a concussion. He had a concussion. D'Amico confirmed that today. He is in the concussion protocol against Denver. The referee sent him off the field because yep. he looked a little bit wobbly. He looked like he was in a daze. And I would be stunned if he plays on Sunday. So this is a major deal. And the most significant news the Texans have had I would say it's the most significant news they've had all year. Like, even if Stroud misses a game, I think that's more newsworthy than Tank Dell breaking a fibula. I I could be off there. There's no doubt. Massive, massive blow.
0: But at the same time, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, at the time, the first thing I did is look for the replay to say, please don't let it be something major with his legs. But then when you, just isn't the magnitude is just as important when you talk about his his head and the fact that this, there's still like, lingering effects of the first one whether it was officially ruled one or not he got his bell rung and now he gets it again and you don't want the Aikman situations and the guys that had to deal with it their whole career and that it becomes a major major deal and your offensive line is basically the main reason why your quarterback is suffering through his second concussion in in a matter of weeks and you're looking at it going that's the one guy on the field you could ill afford to lose as valuable as Tank Dell was. This guy is the guy that stirs the drink. That is the head of the snake, and all the other ones that you want to use. This is the guy. When you lose him, you lose the opportunity to be in that conversation for playoffs and so much more, because you are not even close to the same football team. And you're right. When you looked at the replay, it's one thing if a guy says, "Oh, he caught a knee to the to the helmet," yeah. or he got his head, you know, bumped against the turf a little bit. He got his head. Smashed against the turf. Yeah, it didn't, look and it good. didn't look good at all.
1: Yeah, I don't know the like how to grade these concussions or the severity levels. I just know it didn't look good. It, it looked pretty bad. And yes, it should have been a penalty. I know everybody was up in arms. Oh, it should have been a penalty. Yeah, you're right. It should have been a penalty. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the outcome of the game. It's not going to reverse the C.J. Stroud injury. You're right. Should have yeah, been a penalty, even if a flag was called, doesn't that matter. doesn't mean he's playing this week. Exactly. Like it's it's just like and maybe it's their way of expressing their anger. And I get it. Like the, a lot of fans feel like the Texans have been getting a bad whistle and a you know bad flags lately. And I, and I understand it. I understand it. But a penalty there is not going to change the outcome. It's not going to change the degree of injury
0: to C.J. Stroud. I also hate to break it to Texans fans. It's a league wide epidemic right now. Everybody almost everybody, every fan base of every team in this league is complaining about the officials. Yeah, they are. And so it's a, it is a it is league-wide issue, and it ain't going to be fixed overnight. So you just have to roll with it and deal with it. Whether the flag was called or not, or it was the right call or the wrong call, means nothing. What means everything is your best player, just got his bell rung again, and he's not probably going to play next week, and you need to be concerned that he doesn't play until he's right because he's so important to the future of this team.
1: Yeah, it's going to be um, – I don't think he's going to play. I mean, it's way too early to have any sort of, like, intel and information. Uh, D'Amico said he's in the protocol. We have to let it play out. I know there has been a couple of ins- – I saw Stutz tweeting about earlier that, like, Derek Carr has, has played the following game. I think Brock Purdy was the other guy that's played the following game. I would be surprised if uh, if C.J. Stroud plays the following game. One one thing to throw to that D'Amico Ryan's got out coach thing. You know who the uh, Jets offense coordinator is, right? It is uh, Nathaniel Hackett. You got out coached
0: by Nathaniel Hackett. It's not good. It's not good. Well, it's a combo platter, right? He got out. He got out. He got out coached and outworked by Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. Like take that to bed and sleep well, because <laughs> no one can. You just got the most incompetent guy, maybe in the NFL, a year ago, to call a, a, a game plan that you couldn't stop, with a guy that looked like he should have been playing in the XFL, throwing for three bills. Threw for three bills. What the
1: <laughs> hell is going on with that picture? And people like people would say, "Well, it's checkdown stuff." So it worked. Well, he threw for three bills from checkdown stuff. So means you probably weren't tackling very good.
0: It goes to the Rudy Tomjanovich philosophy a long time ago. I'm going to keep going to it until you for- prove that there's a way to stop it or it ain't working anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can laugh at it and say checkdowns and running plays. Those checkdowns and running – Brees Hall made everybody look like they were grade schoolers trying to t- tackle a D1 college football player. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think he, I think he's the reason that Cashman got his hamstring hurt too. Because if you, I went back and tried to look at Cashman's final play, and it looks like Cashman's final play, he tries to play through an injury because he's like, you know, trying to play, trying to get around like the it's box, a cramp, not and a then, fool. yeah. And then he looks over at the at the bench, and he's like, ah, that's it for me. And I think he was hurt on the previous play, which is the one where Brees Hall kind of like turned on the gas and kind of and got by him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it might have been, you know, maybe Cashman had already hurt it as he was approaching Hall, and that's a reason why he was slow getting there. I don't know. Which brings Ocho's truth uh, on a Tell the Truth Monday. Texans linebackers are awful. Oh. It's amazing this team is to overcome this and win seven games. Henry Toa Otoa is getting outplayed by that Jake Hansen guy.
0: Yeah. Like the, the Jake linebacker, Hansen was the guy that catches the Predator? Uh, I don't know. Who's the
1: who's the red zone guy? Scott Hansen.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, and the other guy is to the catch Texas the Predator. Linebacker the linebacker is Hansen, like the eighth
1: or ninth most popular Hansen, and he plays more than Henry Toa Otoa does. I think the linebacker room is actually the biggest Problem with this team. I think it's the weakest room. Like, I think the secondary room is better than linebackers. Defensive line, I actually like a lot. I like Grenard. Mm-hmm. I like Anderson. I like Collins. I like Rankins. I love Rankins.
0: Rankins was great, and to get home on his old team was, was good to see.
1: I'm a big fan of him. Now, the receiver rooms hurt. Like, if you take out the injured guys, then you got an issue there. 713 uh, 780 ESPN. Let's get a, one more here from five seven five nine seven. Truth oh, is an old fashioned whooping. Outplayed and outcoach. No doubt about it. What you got?
0: Oh, Junior reminded me. The guy that's to catch the Predators, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Yeah.
1: Chris Hansen, Scott Hansen is the red zone guy. Uh there's a band called Hansel or is it Hansen? No, there was Hansen. It wasn't it, Hansen. Wasn't Mbop? it Hansen? was it Mbop, Mbop Hansen. Was Yeah. Yeah, Mbop was Hansen. Uh, and what
0: was the wasn't the longtime time kicker the Lions Hansen? I'd have no idea. What was it back in the 40s? No, nice try, but he was he was like he's like a record-setting kicker. <laughs> yeah, like so Jason Hansen, I, I think,
1: think the Texans guy's Jake Hansen. So Jake Hansen is he a top 10 most popular Hansen in it, life's history? It
0: goes back to what I was saying too though with the linebackers. They had no clue on the crossing routes. It was like they had never seen guys run slants and crosses and sit just you know find an open spot in the middle of the field and then all of a sudden they were flat footed when they saw the ball coming right at a guy wide open. Tameko's defense
1: 780 ESPN the HR and P listener line. I want to ask you about two should they have been in the game scenarios. Texans got blown out yesterday. It was a blowout in the fourth quarter. We just talked about the Stroud injury. Should he have been in the game? How about another guy who protects him? I can't say his name, but another guy who protects C.J. Stroud being in the game to the final whistle. Is that all right? 713-780-ESPN. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Well, we go to the break. How about the holiday season upon us? and You're looking for the gift that keeps on giving. I've got a couple of those for you that I'll talk to you about throughout the show, and one of them is, guys, If you want to give a gift that keeps on giving, get your significant other some time with Doc Linville. You know, he does a lot more than the Neograft procedure, though I love the Neograft, and I talk about that most. He does Botox. He does plastic surgery. He does spa treatments. He can do so many things that will make your significant other extremely happy, But it's a gift that keeps giving to you as well. So you should consider that when you're thinking about what to do this holiday season. And while we're at it, that neograph procedure is something you can do for yourself. That is a gift that's going to keep on giving for the long time, the long foreseeable future. Because if you get your hair back, it's going to stay. It's going to grow longer and stronger and be with you for the long haul. And that's what the neograph procedure does. It's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem. It's taking hair from where you're never going to lose it genetically. You're never going to lose it on the sides and the back of your head, no matter how bald you go on top. He takes some of that, repurposes it, and the next thing you know, you can see the follicles growing, and in six to nine months, they are going to be at their absolute best, and you are going to Absolutely love the results that you get. For you as a listener to ESPN 97.5, you get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff to find out more. Ask questions. Get answers. No signing on the dotted line. No money out of pocket. No commitment going forward. Just you asking questions, them giving you answers, and you thinking about the fact that the Neograph procedure might be a game changer for you like it was for me. I couldn't be happier with my procedure. I'm telling you that it gives you all the self-confidence in the world because you get your hair back. Check them out today. Go through the procedure. Go to 975hair.com. Sign up, talk to Doc and his folks, and see if you're the next in line to have the success and be happy with the Neograph procedure and Doc Linville. He's the best in the business. Go see my friend Doc Linville at 975hair.com.
1: All right, I posted this question yesterday. He's Blankers. I'm Branham. I want to ask you two should these guys have been in the game scenarios. Uh, One of them was, was so compelling that DJ B enemy quote tweeted it. He wanted to, I guess, dunk on me. Isn't that what a quote tweet is equal to, even though it's just a question and not a take? Uh, first one is, um, hmm, why do I, do I want to ask you the Stroud or, or, oh, almost said his name. Do I want to ask you Stroud first or the protector of the quarterback first? Your call. I'll go quarterback since we're we'll just going, we'll go in chronolo- chronological order here. Two, should they have been in the game scenarios? CJ Stroud, should he have been in the game? Down twenty four to six. Do the math. Eighteen points. You can't get that in two possessions. It's three possessions. It's a three possession game. You're down by eighteen. Six fifty one left to play in the fourth quarter. Would you have had CJ Stroud in the game? Yes or no?
0: Yes, yes, because he's your only chance to stay. You know, to, to have a even the slightest of chance to win the football game. And the fact is, is that there was there was potential for turnovers. The the weather created a slippery football we saw one where it looked like the game was already over and suddenly they caused a fumble, they got the ball back in good field position. It was possible. And, and so from the standpoint of them being stuck in a rut but also knowing that the game wasn't completely out of reach, though obviously it would have taken a lot, I, I'm fine with CJ still being in the game because without him, you have absolutely zero shot and, and maybe you can pick up some positives going forward. So I'm fine with him being in the football game.
1: I, that would have been the last series for me. Uh, he would have had one more series if you can show me that you like. If not, even show me. If you go to score, then you can keep playing. Uh, and I'm not telling him this before, this is just going on in my mind because I know the game scenario. I know the situation. You're down by three possessions with just under seven minutes left to play in the game. You got one more drive. You got one more drive. You go score? Okay, let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. You keep playing. If you don't score on that drive, I'm I'm taking him out because now I am you starting to You dip under five pressure. and you're three scores
0: yeah. down. Now it's a different story. Yeah, I'm t- that would have been my
1: last series. So it's not revisionist history for me on the CJ Stroud because he ended up getting hurt. Uh, that's the one that he I concussed. I, I would not have taken him out yet. He would have gotten that final series, one more series. Now, now the argument that I don't like about keeping him in the game was that the Texans are in the playoff hunt so you got to keep him in. What? Like there's a better chance that CJ Stroud gets hurt what actually happened than the Houston Texans coming from behind to win that game. So if your argument is playoff hunt then you probably should have had him out of the game. Right. So I don't like that argument. Now, I would have given him one more series. Crazy things have happened. There's still seven minutes left to play. I think you had two. If, I think two timeouts left. Maybe you had all three, but you had at least two. I give him one final series. Now, I pulled uh, the followers here. 37% of people said that they would have pulled C.J. Stroud there. Now... A lot of this is probably revisionist history. This is probably hindsight 2020. But I was surprised that 37% of people said that they would have pulled C.J. Stroud out of the game with less than seven minutes to play, down by three possessions.
0: No, six. Yeah, that's that, that's too much time left on the clock with your only saving grace to give you a chance to at least put points that on a the high board. high number
1: to you, though? Like, do, 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 I, yeah, it is. I, I feel it would be like
0: 25%, but it's 37 Now, was that, 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 that was after the game?
1: Yeah, we didn't ask it real time.
0: Yeah, because real time... I think that would have been a much lower number. I, I think people so totally, in reality, they realize you got no chance without him, and you saw that you don't want to see a steady dose of D- Davis Mills, and only the defense does. So I think that if you ask that real time, that's a very much, a, a I think very it's under a significantly 10. lower number. I think it's under 10. I think you're probably right. But I think that, of course, revisionist history is, oh, and knowing that he got his bell rung, People are going to say, "Oh, he never should have been in the game." That should well, then you would have been the ones bitching on social media that they didn't give their team a fighting chance, even Probably. though they were down three scores.
1: No, I don't like the playoff argument because there's a better chance yeah, that Stroud gets hurt and it costs him his next game than you coming from behind to win that game. So I'm cool with, hey, we didn't want to wait, we didn't want to throw in the towel, didn't want to, you know, raise the white flag. I'm I'm cool with those, but like the whole big picture playoff thing, big picture playoff thing, you're pulling CJ Stroud. Uh, the second, would you have left this guy in the game? This one actually blew my mind. The Texans were down thirty to six, and they got the football back with a minute oh eight left to play. They're down twenty-four points, there's sixty-eight seconds left to play. And the Texans kept all of their starting offensive line out there. Look, some of them aren't very good. Um, we've heard murmurs and we've heard thoughts and stories that uh, the Texans left tackle, is uh, he's, he's nursing a bum knee. We've mm. heard that he's nursing a bum knee. Even if he's not nursing a bum knee, would you have left the, at one time, twice, highest paid left tackle, I still think he's top three, in the game down by 24 points with 68 seconds left to play on a wet, bad surface? Yeah, no. This made
0: no yeah, sense to me. No. No. Because what? Okay, we know that right now, what the the wide receivers are depleted. What's the most? De- what has been the most depleted position group? Offensive the entire line. season, offensive line. And and what have we said all along? They they don't have a lot of depth. When Dieter is one of your options, and you saw what he did at other positions until he finally kind of settled into center. But you're going. There's just not a lot of options left for a team that didn't have many backup options going in and suffered a ton of injuries. The one guy you could ill afford to lose now, since it's the most important position on the offensive line is your left tackle. And aside from a thumb injury that might keep him out for eight weeks, I think that this is, this was a glaring flare in the air and a neon sign that says, get him out before something happens.
1: I don't know how you leave him in the game. Like I, I would agree with that. Now, the fact that he didn't get hurt great it's fine like you know what like people are going to gloss over it like you have so many other things to look at you lost by 24 uh your quarterback's hurt nico's hurt like cashman's hurt like you're not going to spend a whole lot of time worrying about a scenario in which the guy didn't get hurt personally i don't like doing that i i, I I like to look at things for like how I would do things. And the moment that C.J. Stroud got hurt, and I know that like, you have, you have a, was a 46-man roster on game day, so I know that you can't pull every single starter. It's impossible to pull right, every single right. starter. I'm aware of that. But you know what I'm doing with 68 seconds left to play down by 24? I'm pulling my most important starters. Every backup that I have is on the football field, and I'm starting to pull them based on how important they are to my team. The left tackle of the Texans being chief among them.
0: Stroud already out already out right Nico already out we already know tanks out for the year when you start checking off guys that shouldn't be in the game anymore because you could ill afford to lose them tunzel has got to be at the top of the list Will Anderson would be very very high on the list because of the fact that there's still a ton of season to be played meaningful football a chance to make the playoffs and without them your chances are significantly reduced the fact that you still have a top three left tackle in the game that has been injury-prone, to be frank, in the last several years. Some
1: people tell me he has a bad knee, and that's why he's not helping his quarterback off the ground.
0: And if that even makes the problem worse, because if you know that internally, whether you let that out externally or not, you know internally, hey, here's a guy trying to tough it out, but he's fighting through an injury, and it's bad weather, might be a slippery surface, your quarterback's already out, and the game's over. Don't have him in the football game. I I was,
1: I was don't know how he's getting off the hook with this. I, I, maybe it's because he didn't get hurt. Maybe it's because people were worried about other things. Like, the fact that he had his best offensive lineman in a year where they've been just crushed with offensive line injuries, to me, was managerial malpractice. Like, how do you do that? Uh, 1930, this is in regard to Stroud. Uh, you have to read the game. The Texans couldn't score. The weather was bad. Going against, okay, play the D'Amico cut. We're not going to listen to any weather. We'll read the rest of the text one nine three zero. We're not going to bring up the weather. He said you have to read the game. We couldn't score against one of the, the best defenses in the league. Weather was bad enough where you couldn't throw the football. There you go. We're not listening to weather excuses. He said you have to read the game. We couldn't score against one of the best defenses in the league. We were not coming back with Stroud. He should have pulled him. So hey, look, thirty seven percent of the of the city thinks that they should have pulled Stroud. I think it was one series too early. It was on my mind, but one series too early. The fact that Laramie Tunsel playing with 68 seconds to go down by 24 is malpractice from D'Amico Ryans.
0: Absolutely agree. I mean, that's one where you, you know, it's one thing to have retro, you know, remorse and and retro in retrospect, say tank should have been blocking, but you were in the middle of a football game right there, right? You were in the heat of the battle in a game that still was obtainable. In the situation that you're talking about right now with the two guys you're talking about, it's a no brainer for Tunsil. You have no chance to win. And because there was more than five minutes on the clock and a good portion of time left on the clock, your only chance to win, whether he was successful for the first three quarters of the game or not, is C.J. Stroud. And he is the, the, the engine that it keeps this whole thing running. You can't just pull him out and then look at it and go, yeah, that game was over. No, not necessarily. Stranger things have happened.
1: Sancho says short-sightedness. I think that football coaches in general, not just D'Amico, but football coaches in general have short-sightedness. Like You you see starters in the game, the final series, when they're so far over, and it's like, what are y'all doing? Like, why?
0: I, why are you doing see, this? if this wasn't Tunsil, but maybe it's because it's Tunsil, but even still, because of how important he is and what he's getting paid, uh-huh. coaches like to use these as moments of basically you know, sending a message to a player. Hey, uh-huh. you're still out there because we need more from you or you haven't been doing this or this. You know, some, this is not the guy at this time of the season with the offensive line the way it is to be making a, a, an example of.
1: You see quarterbacks in the NFL there are in victory formation. <laughs> it's like, why don't you bring yeah, was, your backup in there? Uh, but I like the couple of examples of short-sightedness real quick, Joe. I think it was that case yesterday with the left tackle for the Texans. I think it was I think it's that way with Tank. Like the, we sure. we need these three yards so bad that we gotta use our little itty bitty wide receiver in the box to block. Well you run, you don't have to, but they it's it's like and it's not just Slowick, it's not just D'Amico, it's like a football coach mentality. Everything is right now and don't look at big picture.
2: Yeah, I think we're I think we're still having this conversation maybe tomorrow if this game was flipped. If it's 30-6, but CJ and Nico got hurt in the game, it's like, hey, there's 60 seconds left. They're up by 24. Like, mm-hmm. why is Laramie still in the game here? And I, and I do think it's different than, like, the Baltimore game. Because Baltimore, it's week one. You're setting the tone for the season. And you're not playing on a field that has claimed, like, dozens of players right. this season. So I think in this moment, yeah, I don't get why he's still out there. The
1: bad field is a, is, a, is part of it, too. Like, did, did, did Why are you we jinx, rolling the dice here? Did you,
0: get, did you jinx it by no, mentioning I, the field? No, no, no. It, no, 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 it wasn't no, a leg no, injury, no. but the concussion was on that bad field because it was very thin and it's very hard surfaced.
2: No, I was more referring to the Killers. Okay, I'm,
0: I'm just, I mean, I left you the out there, but I mean, you did reference the fact that this is where good careers go to die for the season or more yeah, when they play on it.
2: CJ will probably be out for a week at most, so it's okay. Okay. You think that's what it is? Usually. Usually yeah. it's one week.
0: Depends if he's coming think- if he's coming off one that either was or wasn't but was close enough to it and the fact that these things linger I think he might lose two weeks.
2: It's just hard to say because it's, yeah. like, it's an independent doctor. I mean, Tua last year played he had a concussion they didn't diagnose it they played him then and he got then a it. real concussion and then he played like two weeks later and they got another one so it's it's hard to say. So, but if
0: you use that format, then it might be two weeks. I think he'll get one. I think he'll
2: get one. What about if he
0: had signs of one got another one? Now it's, like, worse. Yeah, but he signs was... of one is not
2: one. I mean, because Tua did Depends that... on
0: who did the diagnosis. No, too. Well, I mean, they cleared him to play, so they said no concussion. They also cleared Tua when they shouldn't have. So, no. depending on the doctor.
2: Yeah, yeah, but Tua did that thing where, like, his body froze. CJ jumped over a bench. To a was that the second
0: games? one or the first one that he did the body Both. freeze with the fingers?
2: Both of
1: them. What, are you, what is your length of Nico? Nico's is interesting to me. Like, it was a calf, a calf. injury, but he I continued think it's a month. to play. Like It's not an Achilles, though.
0: The, the biggest like, thing, and having ridiculous. a ton of calf injuries, and I'm obviously not into the wide receiver level or anything, but when you have, a, especially if you have a calf injury, it's, did you feel the pop? Did you feel it feel like a bat hit you in the back of the calf? Because the worst thing you can do if you just feel it coming on is to keep playing, Yeah. because now you could get it to be worse, and then a grade whatever becomes a serious grade. But if it popped, I think that's at least a month.
1: I, I See, he... I, I went back and tried to find it, and like he made one catch where he came down awkwardly on it. It's where I think it happened, and he stayed in one more play, and then he was done.
0: I think that's where he said, oh, it's just a cramp, Probably. and I can play through it, and then went, whoops. But the fact that he played another play
1: and that he jogged in the locker room, I don't think it's a like a rupture of the Achilles. No, I think it's like a calf strain. No, I mean, I so, so if it's just it a calf a strain,
0: then I, I say the range is two weeks to six weeks.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty big range there.
0: Like, you really- well, I mean, okay, <laughs> a guy's going to try and tough it out in, if he comes back in a week, and then when you can get to six weeks, real easy.
1: Seven one three seven eight zero espn Let's get into a good mood. Let's hand out some NFL game balls. Who deserves game balls for their performance this week? It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.